just want to pick up on a few things again that have come out of my thinking and the things I've been reading regarding Jane. And what I've got to say today is very simple. It's not rocket science. It's not deep theology. But it's just some things from... Um, something that I've picked up as I've just contemplated uh, Jane and, and God, obviously. So we're going to read... Um, if Elijah wants to get ready, just a couple of verses, really famous verses from the, one of the greatest stories in the Bible. 1 Samuel 17, uh, we're going to read from verse 37 to 40. Um, yeah, 1 Samuel 17, 37 to 40. Part of my thinking about the, the, the celebration of the Thanksgiving service, which will be called a, a testimony of God's faithfulness just going through Jane's stuff because you've got a lot, a lot of stuff that she had I don't know how many of you are aware but for a while she wrote a blog and she published some blog posts online and I remember those one morning thinking and praying about what we would do with the service and I ended up spending a whole morning reading all of these blog posts and uh, really really moved um, but also blown away by what Jane became. Bearing in mind that she left school with nothing, really. She left school with qualification-wise, she left school with nothing. And yet, she was able to write so articulately, uh, but also so powerfully. And all of it based in what God had done for her. It wasn't theory or theology per se. You know, I've read this, this is what I think. It was all based on what God had done for her and the way the grace of God had transformed her. And I will try and find a way to, to publish this, um, to get the details of this blog, because they're still there. But we are going to use some of them at a celebration service, which I think it would be great not just to reflect back on Jane, but have Jane reflect back to us uh, and teach us a little bit about what it means to live authentically and to live as a child of God. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you one of these blogs now um, and, I, and just we're going to pick up on and tie it into just what I really simply want to say as we just continue in this season to reflect on, on our Jane and all that she meant to us. This one was called Feeling Safe and Jane writes, Our inner world is a hidden landscape that even those closest to us cannot fully share. We like to think we know ourselves so well, but none of us have an unhindered and unbiased self-perception. Those who have studied basic psychology may be acquainted with the Jahari window theory, which suggests we all have aspects of self which are known and unknown, both to ourselves and to others. This model points out that we all have blind spots. Only our creator is fully aware of what lays within the confines of our inner selves. One of the joys of walking in relationship with God is how he works on every layer of our inner worlds, exposing the things that hinder the love, peace and joy he wants to flood our lives with and, so he can, and heal them so we can walk in freedom. Mercy and grace enable us to face up to, not, up to the not-so-pretty things lurking beneath. Those ugly, selfish motives, those loveless thoughts and intentions, those proud judgments and accusations can all be laid at the foot of the cross, forgiven and forgotten, to pursue a life of love. 
Jane writes, One hidden area of my own life that had to be confronted was a strong defense mechanism rooted in self-preservation. I worked so hard at avoiding pain that I saw threats and risks in everything. If someone asked me a question or made a statement about something, without hesitancy, my mind would jump to potential risk or a negative outcome. I thought I was being helpful and protecting myself or others from harm, but there was more to it than that. I didn't factor in the fact that I was... I didn't factor in that I was sometimes making negative or inaccurate assumptions about people or situations. I didn't factor in there were other perspectives or viewpoints other than the one from which I looked at it from, which had a magnetic-like attraction to me, had a magnetic attraction towards pitfalls. I couldn't see the positive factors, the opportunities to grow in faith, to gain experience, to stretch beyond the comfort zone and discover a whole new world. It's not hard to see how this worldview could create disconnection with others and limit my capacity to walk by faith. Jesus was very clear about what we do with self. Self has to die. He said whoever wants to save their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for him will find it. The very act of self-preservation robs us of the fullness of life he intends for us. Our Heavenly Father is faithful gentle and kind in his dealings with us as we yield our lives to him. He knows how to uproot fear and how to heal our wounded hearts. It is often a process that includes moments of revelation. Father is genuine, generous with revelation if we willingly incline our ear and walk in humility. In the process of laying down self-preservation, I had to learn that it was my, it was my father's job to protect me, not mine. And he gave me a wonderful illustration one day as I, in a tired days, which happened a lot with Jane, I rushed across a busy road and realised after I stepped out, I hadn't looked for traffic. Waking up to the fact that I wasn't constantly, this was Wellingborough Road, I remember telling me, she stepped out into Wellingborough Road, over by a house. I rushed across a busy road and realised after I stepped out, I hadn't looked for traffic. Waking up to the fact I wasn't concentrating, I, in a panic, heart in my mouth, looked up, thinking I was about to be hit by a car. Instead, I discovered a tall gentleman walking in tandem with my every step. She says, I cannot yet claim to have audibly heard God speak, but as this man said, don't worry, you are safe in my shadow, I knew in that inner place the echo of my father's voice. I was safe and now very awake, looking while I crossed the road, pondering those words. There is only one place of safety and it is when we walk in step with our Heavenly Father. When we walk in step with Him, we are eternally secure. Nothing can separate us from His love. And it's from this place we find courage to take risks, to step beyond the comfort zone and to pursue a life of faith along with its risks. It's in this place we discover that by laying down our lives as Jesus did, we gain everything and lose nothing and find and discover real life. It was in this place that I was able to begin the journey of dying to self-preservation and open my heart to access more of our Father's incredible love. It's pretty good. Jane published these on a Facebook page for everybody. It weren't just church people. She sent them to her family. She saw them as a way of reaching her family and her friends with what God had done for her. Who we are inside 
you know, it's really only God that knows who we are. And there's so many things that, there's so many things that shape our, the way we look at the, at the world, at, the, at life. There's so many external influences. It could be to do with what we were brought up with or what we were told when we were young. It can have a lot to do with our age, whether we're young or old. We see things through a filter and that can shape who we are. And I, it was a privilege for me to walk with Jane and how many times she brought up the health and safety thing. You know, and I, and I would, after a little space, just say, okay, Jane, let's just think about that. And she committed herself to a process of discovering who she was in God and not, who, not what her world had told her who she was. And that is, you can't, and I don't want to preach anything today about self-actualization. You know, this thing about you define who you are. Be who you want to be. That's the gospel of our world today. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a commitment to discovering who I really am in God and then, and then seeing that released to its fullest potential. These words, so famous words um, in, um, in 1 Samuel. We're going to start right at the end there when... Um, um, Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic... He put a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I can't go in these, he said to Saul. I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd bag with his sling in his hand and approached the Philistine. And the rest is history, as they say. You know, we are unique. There's no one like me. And there's no one like you. And there's no one like Jane. We are all unique. God has made us so... um, He's made us with us in mind and with his, our joy in mind, with his joy in mind, but also he's made us with purpose because there's something he wants us to do that he's given me, a, 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 he's made me who I am to enable me to do that. Who we really are is only truly known by God and revelation directly to us or through someone else enables us to be released to what he has made. Uh, one, of the, one of the joys of Jane, and forgive me, I'll, I'll, I'll get off Jane one day <laughs> in the next few months. One of my joys with Jane was just a simple faith and a simple love. She really, she really learned, she wasn't like this always, she learned to accept people as they were and desired only to bring them closer to Jesus. That, that's, that was her desire. She was comfortable dealing with anyone and had a simple childlike understanding. And it was this, God loves this person and wants the best for them. No matter how annoying, how frustrating, how painful how sinful they are. God loves this person and wants the best for them. So how can I possibly have any other opinion about the matter? It was a beautiful, simple attitude that Jane uh, learned to develop. And that's the wonder of, of being a disciple. 
And the wonder really of the disciples she became and the disciple maker she became. This understand, the understanding she gained of living in the enveloping revelation of who she was and who others were. And she never tried to force who she was on somebody else. That is like you are to, be, you're to become like me. That, she, never tried, she never did that. And this is a key secret to the discipleship we've been talking about over recent months. Servant discipleship. Our goal is to see people, my goal is to see you, develop in Christ-likeness. Not in Dave-likeness or LGC-likeness, but in Christ-likeness. Free from the filters and the goggles through which we view life and view others. As we disciple others, we are to have them emulate our character, our passion and our devotion but not our personality, our calling, or our presumptions. God made you uniquely, and he made me uniquely. We have so many problems when we try to be somebody else, or we try to make somebody else like us, as in the same as us, then we have so many problems. Saul's words to David were so releasing. Go, God be with you. Go, God be with you, David. That's all you need is God. All you need is God. Just go for it. God's with you. It's okay. But then he kind of, he kind of altered track and said, actually, you need a bit more than God. You need armor. You need a big sword. You need a helmet. You need things around your legs. You need, a, you need, a, a, you need all this stuff. And he put all this stuff on David and said, this is what you need, David. This is what you need. And he compromised that heart, which really David knew all he needed was God. All he needed was God to go with him and he would succeed. The problem is for Saul, he presumed that David would have to go the way that he went. Would have to do it like he did it. He presumed it should be like he has always done it. How he would have and how, sh how other people should do it. Saul's view was everybody would think like me and would want what I want. So go, God be with you, became go, Saul is with you. He placed a burden on David, which at that time he didn't want to or need to carry. And that's the art of discipleship. I can't believe David spent the rest of his life without a sword. No, he didn't, without a sword. And he, I'm sure he wore armour. But at this moment, he didn't need that. And that's one of the arts of discipling, is to understand what and when we put on other people. The key to discipleship is to stand back and listen and hear what God is saying is the right way for the person in front of you. And I thank God for Jane's example of this. And many people here could stand and tell you of how Jane led people not to become like her, but to become like Jesus to accept people for who they are, but wanting to see them changed for the glory of God into Christ-likeness. That, hum that humility meant praying always to hear what God was saying, to hear what that person was needed so God could go with them. I've realised, uh, I've said this so many times before, that if I want to get the best from my children, I have to treat them differently. We know that, don't we? We have to treat them differently. It's like... If I tried with Dan what I did with Becca, 
or if I spoke to Joe the way I spoke to Becca, I'll leave you to figure out how they're different. But it just wouldn't work. I can't put the same thing, the same burden on them. I have my values, my principles, which we've passed down to our children, but they are unique despite the fact that they have come from us. They are unique. What works? What is it that you need to fulfill your calling, your unique calling, God? How can I bless this person with what God wants for them to release them in their personality and calling? This takes calmness, time, a prayerful heart and humility. It's a big responsibility for people who preach. You know, I I could stand here every day and rant about what I see around me because it drives me mad. But I need to discern what it is that just makes me mad or makes me feel a certain way and yet what is God doing in the time what is God wanting me to pull out (coughs) we are to release people not burden them as we disciple conversely as a disciple as somebody who is being trained we have to have the courage to allow God to show us who we really are David, in his honour for the king as a young man, he could well have just said, you know what? I don't know anything about fighting giants. You know, I know how to take on a lion and a bear and, I, and, and a whatever, and I know I didn't need armour for that. I know I didn't need a sword. But I've never fought a giant before. I've never fought a soldier before. Surely Saul knows what, he's, what I need. And, in his, and in, his, in, his, in his belief in that, he could have gone onto the battlefield like a... Do I want to get this sling around? As we celebrate Jane in a couple of weeks, we'll be celebrating the uniqueness of who God's made her. You can't be and you don't need to be anyone else. Can't be. You have to be who God has made you. I can't be who I want to be. That's not an option in the book. We have to be clear on that, especially when we're teaching young people, I think we maybe we've assimilated this, it sounds so scriptural, be who you, it sounds so good if you like, be who you want to be, that's not the message of the Bible, the message of the Bible is that in, in becoming like Jesus we discover who we are and we have to lead people to let, you can't make the rules yourself is what I'm saying. We can't be and don't need to be anyone else. Jane didn't particularly look like a leader or an influencer or a shaper. But she allowed God into the depths of her heart to bring out who she really was. And when she let herself go in who she really was, she changed lives. And that's what God has for her. Those who know Jane really well will tell you naturally and through the shaping of her childhood, Jane was very cautious, was self-doubting, was fearful and retiring. That's who Jane was. When I say naturally, through the environment she grew up, that's who she was. But she allowed Grace to tell her, to change her and to tell her that she was loved, cherished, held secure. And allow God to access her heart, which pulled out who she was actually created to be. And she was beginning to live that life 
knowing who she was, free to be who she was in Jesus. Many people influence her and influence us. And she took that on board, but I don't think we should be learning to wear other people's armours and to fight with other people's weapons. We learn principles and values, but we grow into the unique person God has created us to be. And as she wrote in this blog, she gave God access to the very core of her being and she laid down her life so Jesus could reign in and through her. The key to finding ourselves is losing ourselves. The key to discovering who we are is a daily laying down of our lives, laying down of our own ambitions, laying down of our own dreams, of our own desires, and saying, God, who do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How can I live for you? How can I be who you intended me to be? Because the scary thing is that as we get older, we suddenly realise... Time's getting shorter. And I've not been all I could have been. And we don't live with regrets or fears. I haven't got time for regrets. Regret is one of the most wasted emotions you can have. But fulfillment in life only comes when we lay down our life for Jesus. I don't care how much money you've got, how many houses you've got. I don't care what kind of job you have. Fulfillment only comes as we develop to become more like Jesus and we live for him. And in the laying down of ourselves, we become the very person God wants us to be. And the joy of that is that you may not end up on here in front of everybody. You know, you may end up doing your best work when nobody sees, but you'll be doing it for him. And you'll be doing it with joy. My desire for you this morning, as you remember, as we remember Jane and all she was to us, is this. Walk in humility. And don't presume your way is the right way for everyone. Don't put your armour on someone else because what is security for you may be a burden to somebody else. Allow people to go forward with God and with you supporting them along the way. And as a disciple, don't try and think you have to be someone else. I don't want to be a disciple because then I'll have to become like Dave or like, or like Richard or like Sigi or like Jane. You don't have to become like them because we're all so different. We have different personalities. What I want to do is emulate the, the conviction and emulate the authority. Emulate, I can't emulate authority. But, um, the character, the passion and the devotion that I've seen in those I've grown up with but then released into what God has got for me, what God wants to do in and through me. God made you the way he made you because he wants you to express him. He wants you to express God in a unique way. Because someone else shouts doesn't mean you have to shout. Because someone else is quiet doesn't mean you have to be quiet. Because someone else dresses a certain way doesn't mean you have to. Or uses clever words. I can't use clever words. I can't speak that way. Allow God to take you where he wants to take you and you will be amazed at what he does. Yes, Jane was unique. Who else is like her? Literally, really, literally. Who else was like our Jane? 
But as you'll hear when we read these blogs at a, at a, a celebration service, she became content with who God made her. The greatest revelation she ever realized was she was a daughter. That was the greatest revelation she ever realized. I'm a daughter and I'm loved by the Father. I'm no longer an orphan. I'm adopted. I'm no longer trying to find position. I put myself underneath Jesus. I no longer have to have people. And this is a process and a journey for all of us. It was for her. I don't need people's approval. Because we all start somewhere. I was, I was talking to somebody. We are talking to the worship team on, on Thursday about how you grow and develop in things. And I said to them, for the, first, for the first five years of my standing here, I only ever preached to Eric and Richard. I didn't care what you lot think. I didn't, I didn't mind. Because I only wanted to get their approval. I only wanted to know that they, I, if I saw a nod from Eric or Richard, I thought, I'm okay. Because we have to become secure in who God wants us to be. We have to become secure in, in, in this is what God has called me to. And this is what I'm going to give. Because I'm not striving for position. I'm not striving to get, um, to be, to, to, to get accommodation, to get comment. What's the word? You know what I mean. I don't, I don't, accommodation, I don't need that to make me feel valid. All I need to be doing, God, is what are you asking me to do? And am I doing that for you? And that is a position of security based on this truth. God loves me. I'm his son. And I'm not there yet, but I'm on a journey towards it and I want to know it more and more. I'm his son. You're his daughter. Hallelujah. And on that ground, I live for you. And on that ground, when I hear someone say, go, God is with you, I'm going. I'm going to take from you all I need, but I know God has got a journey for me and a plan for me, and I don't have to be like anybody else. I don't have to be like Dave. I don't have to be like Jane. What I am, who I am, it's worth, it's worth a great deal. And I can change things. I can change the world. I can change my world. I can change and influence my family. I can do whatever it is, and, there's, and there are gifts and talents I know there are in this place that God wants to set free, God wants to release, and out of this a crisis, if you like, that we've been in. As something has fallen, I believe to see people rise up, people come up, people develop, because they realise, I don't want to waste my time thinking I've got to be somebody else, thinking I need so-and-so's approval. David didn't need Saul's armour, he just needed God with him. And I love what, he, what, what David says. You come against me with swords, I come against you in the name of the Lord God of hosts. That's all he needed. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. It didn't matter, Goliath, if you came at me with an anti-tank missile, if you came at me with 10,000 more Goliaths around you, I'm right where I should be and I'm going to win. Amen? God, come this morning and release us. Release us. Releases into the people he's made us to be. What are we supposed to be for this town? This is individually. What about Living Grace Church for this town? What does God want us to be for this town? What is he shaping us into? Are we going to look at what's happened over the last year, last two years, and say, you know, that hasn't worked. Those things we've gone after, the healing, 
the, the power of God, the miracles. We've gone after them, they haven't worked. What are we going to do? Are we going to sit back? Are we going to go back and try and be like other churches, if you like, or other organizations that do this or the other? Let's emulate them, let's do what they do. I want to learn from other church. I want to learn from my brothers and sisters outside of this church. But are we going to keep going for what God has given us? Are we going to keep going after the power of God? Are we keep going after the miracles of God? Are we to keep going after healing? By the grace of God, we're going to do that. Because we want to be who God has called us to be. Amen. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes the easier option seems to take Jonah as our path. You want me to go that way? See ya. I'm going this way. You feel that? I feel it. I feel it. But we're going after who God has called us to be. And I encourage you, go after who God has called you to be. And you will be an influencer. You will be God's person. The God's appointed one in your position. And it may not look like much to other people. But I've said so many times, Jane did so much in a coffee shop that no one else saw talking to somebody. God can use you anywhere. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Holy Spirit, come now, take my words, God, which may have been a bit fumbling and bumbling. Take my words, God, and make them a tool by which you begin to open up people with the courage to allow you in, the courage to allow you into the depths of their heart so you can begin to speak to that inner person (coughs) that we read about from that blog there. Jesus, we don't want to be anybody else other than what you've called us to be. And we don't want to be the kind of people that force other people down a certain path or a certain mould. God, you know what we need when we go forward. All David needed at that time was his clothes, his sling and some stones. God, I pray that you would release individuals in this church into their destiny and do it on a foundation of knowing and understanding they are loved by God. Pray, God, as we open our hearts up to you, Father, we'd receive your Father's love. We'd receive your Father's grace into our hearts. I pray for those, God, who are battling with who they are, thinking they don't have anything and they, don't, they can't do anything, who are, who are defined by their, their environment. God, I pray, Jesus, that you would come and make us clear today in our thinking that we are sons and daughters of the living God. We are yours forever. Nothing, nothing can hinder or pull down that love that you have for us, God. That we are rooted and grounded in the love the Father has for us. So right now, as you're in quiet, just for a few minutes, just open your heart to God. Allow him to come in and show you who you are inside. Don't ask him to come in and show you the problems so much. Ask him to show you who you are in him. 
I pray a word of release, God, over individuals in this place. Individuals who have settled, who have settled for something less than you have for them. God, I want to pray a word of release, God, that opens up new chapters, new doors, new directions. God, I pray, Lord, a word of release that will take the chains off people who are bound to think there will always be a certain way. I pray for, I, I just pray a word of release that your, the revelation of your grace and your love would come on individuals here today. I pray that you would raise up from amongst us, God, oh, worship leaders, evangelists, God, people who are disciples, God. I pray that you'd raise up uh, pr- prophetic people from amongst us, Jesus. I pray you give us confidence to think that I don't look like a certain thing, so I can't be it. God, help us not to impose our view of what things should look like in order for your kingdom to come. It's your kingdom, it's your church, God. Would you build, Lord Jesus? Would you build, I pray. I ask God that you would just raise up remarkable people from this church that will be world changers, that will be influencers, that will bring your kingdom in. And God, I pray God would have the courage to believe it may not look like I want it to look, but you're doing your work in people. Save us an attitude from Saul that says David has to look this way to win this battle. God, we just need your Holy Spirit and we just need your anointing. So I pray a word of release to set people free to their destiny, God. This morning, I pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And as we close, we're going to take the offering in a second, but I just want to bless every person here today. God, I bless their heart, I bless their mind, their bodies. I bless their spirits, dear God, that you would give them tenacity to keep going after what you've got for us. We will not, we give us tenacity to enable us not to lower our sights, God, but to keep looking up to you, to believe for your power and your glory. Jesus, I pray you bless their homes, their children, every part of their lives. Let the favour of God fall on every household. Not that we can generate stuff for ourselves, but that we can be kingdom influencers with the resources that you give us. Let your blessing rest on every head, on every heart, and every house. I ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen, 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 amen. 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 I'm going to pass these rounds as we finish and close. Please put your tithes and offering in. And as we gather together and just fellowship together, cake, tea and coffee, any questions, any comments you want to make, come and see me and share with me. But God bless you all. You are loved. Say, I am loved. Thank you. But not by me alone, but by God. Perfect Heavenly Father, He loves you. Amen? He loves you. Yes, amen. So God bless you all. Enjoy fellowship. What greater thrill is there? Bless you. Thank you. Have an incredible week.